Amen. We started a new series last week called Generosity. And uh, we've been, honestly, we've been talking about money. And uh, we've been talking about how we as a people can be a generous people. How we as a church can be a generous church. I said this last week, but our heart and our desire here at OSC Crowley is not to just be another building and not to just be another people in town, but ultimately to be a people and a congregation and a church that makes a lasting impact on this city that ultimately needs <laughs> to turn the economy upside down and begins to um, transform families and begin to transform lives. And the only way that begins to happen is when we step outside of our comfort zones and we decide, hey, you know what, me as a person or me as a family and as a church, we choose to be generous. Now, we also learned last week um, for us to be generous, it's going to require us to evaluate what we really value. Because one of the things that we talked about last week is what we spend our money on um, determines what we value and what we prioritize. And I made a joke about it last week, but I went and looked at my bank account and I found out that I really love Popeye's and Burger Zone. If you go and you look at my bank account. But the truth is, in money and in bank statements, you can't hide. Like the number is what it is because you did the damage. Um, there's a lot of other sins that you can hide around and you can say, well, I'm not really doing this. I'm trying to love my neighbor well, or I think I'm loving my neighbor, or I think I can get better at that. But the truth is, money doesn't lie. Um, when you go and you sign in on your bank account and you look at the number, you're like, oh my God, what, what did I do? It's because you made it that way. So there's a few um, scriptures that we talked about last week, and one of them was this. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, and it's simply where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Our money is a true indicator of what we value. Our money is a true indicator of what we value. We also looked at another scripture verse in uh, Matthew 6, 24, and we said, and it says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, a few years ago, actually about uh, six years ago, um, my wife and I had some conversations about, my wife and I really have a heart just to give and to be generous, but um, for that to be able to happen, it requires a lot of sacrifice and a lot of discipline to be generous, because you can't just wake up one morning and decide, hey, you know what, I want to be generous this morning, because if you ain't got it, you ain't got it, right? If you don't have the money to give away, you don't, you don't have the money to give away. And so um, they had an organization that came into town, and uh, it's called Compassion International, and um, basically what it is, is it's uh, you kind of uh, choose, they have all these kids set out on the, not, it's all these pictures of kids, they don't set kids out on the table, it's all these pictures of kids out on a table, and you're going to kind of read their bio, you're going to read their story, and then um, you go home and you pray and you ask God, uh, hey God, would you have us partner um, with this student? And basically, if you choose to partner with this child, every month you send a check. And that check um, pays for them to go to school. That check pays for them to put food on the table. That check pays for them to put clothes on their back. And so my wife and I, long story short, we decided to choose a, a child. To this day, I can't tell you what his name is because I cannot pronounce it. It's like some weird spelling, so if you know Spanish, hook me up after service. <laughs> We've been supporting him for like six years, and if he was to show up at my doorstep, I could tell you what he looks like, but it would be like, hey, dude, <laughs> I don't know his name. Um, but in order for us to do that, we had to make some decisions. 
we, we had to change some things in our, in our lifestyle. There was some small sacrifices that we had to make. Instead of eating out whenever we wanted, we had to scale back on some things. And to be honest with you, over the past few years, when things have gotten tight, and as you add more kids to your bunch and to your ship, bills increase, clothes increase, and my, my, my boys literally eat so much. Like, it's one of those things when my wife goes to Walmart and she buys chips, and as a dad, you go into the pantry when everybody else is sleeping and in bed and you want to go eat that bag of chips and it's gone because I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old who can tear some food up and so they get expensive and so over the past six years I've been so tempted to just slash this like sponsorship to this child um, because life as we know can get overwhelming do you ever wake up one morning and you go how in the world did I accumulate so much stuff and so many bills you ever, you ever do that? Like, how in the world are we going to pay for all of this? And so, over the years, we've been faithful to supporting this student or this child. And I'll be honest with you, it, it's not easy to, to live a life of generosity requires sacrifice. And um, I think for most of us in church, when we start talking about money, um, what we do, we talked about this last week, is we talked about we want to just make a one-time generous act. We want to do something one time to somewhat ease the guilt of, of not being a generous people. But the truth is, one big act of generosity is way different than a lifestyle of generosity. One eases your guilt, and the other calls you to be more like Jesus. Two totally different things. Um, so you just going, hey, I'm going to give to this one time. I'm going to support this. I'm going to do this. It eases your guilt in that moment, but it does not call you to live a completely different, generous lifestyle. Because a lifestyle of generosity, what? It calls you to die to yourself, and it causes you to come to a place where not only can you just give one act, or can you do one thing one time, you have to change all of your patterns. Some of the things that you want, you have to choose not to want them. Some of the things that you think that you need that you really don't need, we, we don't buy them. And so here's the thing that I want to get before I dive any deeper to this, and I hope that you can hear my heart in this sermon, and I hope that you heard it last week. I, in this church, and God, specifically God, does not need your money. This is not a sermon, and this is not a series to coax people into giving. This is a series to point you to Scripture, to show you what the Bible says, and to call you to obedience to what Scripture calls us to be. It's two totally different things. Ultimately, when you begin to live a lifestyle of generosity, you get joy. You begin to get joy because ultimately you're living in step and you're beating with the same heartbeat that the Father has. Because we all know that Jesus is a generous Father. So I, I hope that you can understand that. And I said this because I know every time a pastor or a church talks about money, it's kind of like oil and water. It doesn't make some people immediately turn it off. And so I said this last week, if you have any questions about anything that we do here or, or anything that you don't understand here or, or, or whatever, we have an open door policy here at this church. So anything that you want to know, we'll, we'll let you know. Anything that you want to see, we'll let you see. There are no secrets. There's no closed doors. So anything you need to make yourself feel like um, you can trust us, by all means, it's to your access. But here's the deal. What I've noticed over the few years is with money, there's a way to fix our behaviors without ever addressing our heart. 
There's a way to fix our behavior without ever addressing your heart. And that's exactly what greed does. A greedy heart does not want to be found out or dealt with, so it will find subtle ways to hide itself. The truth is, greed knows that if I address my heart, all my behaviors begin to change. The truth is, the reason it's so hard to live a life of generosity is because all the things that your flesh desires, you begin to have to change your lifestyle. And greed tells you, don't give, don't be generous, don't do this, because now you will lack and you will be without. So, maybe for the next ten minutes, let's chat about greed just a little bit. Greed hides very well, and it's so dangerous, and it's very hard to detect, because greed is unlike any other sin. Um, when you lie, you know that you lie. Right? When, when you steal something, you know that you stole somebody. When you kill somebody, you know that you killed somebody, right? Or at least hopefully you would, right? You know that you've done those things. Immediately when you've lied or you've stolen something, you know that you've done it. Well, greed is entirely different. Sometimes it's so subtle and it's so faint, we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. Greed also hides itself by taking away our guilt. Greed also hides itself by taking away our guilt. And, and let me give you an example. Maybe you go out and um, you, you buy like a new truck or something. You spend $40,000, $50,000 on a new truck when your truck was like perfectly fine. And maybe during the purchase of buying this vehicle, like you're kind of feeling guilty because you're like, I don't know if I should really buy this, but I really want this. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't buy a truck or anything. Don't take that the wrong way, okay? If you need one, go buy one. So let's say you go out to make a purchase that you know you shouldn't make is a better way to say it. You go out to make a purchase that you probably know you shouldn't make, but you really want it. And so you buy it. And so maybe like for a day or so you feel guilty for purchasing this vehicle or this phone or whatever it is that you go out and purchase. And then immediately you get around some friends and you're surrounded by somebody who just purchased a brand new truck and they paid a little bit more for it. Are you surrounded by somebody who just bought a new phone and they paid a little bit more for it? And so what does your heart do? Oh, it's not that bad. Immediately, greed lets you off the hook. You're like, man, you know what? I don't feel that bad because they just, I spent 40000 they spent 50000 they spent way too much, and I got a good deal on it. So obviously, it's not that bad. Do you see how it lets you off the hook? It's kind of like the game of comparison. Like, you ever do that to your neighbor? Like, man, I'm dealing with some stuff, but... Not as bad off as they are. They are like really bad, but I'm, I'm kind of good. You know what I'm talking about? Greed does the same exact thing. We begin to, we have this rating system. Yeah, I know I kind of selfishly went out there and bought that, and I probably shouldn't have. But man, look at all the stuff that he bought, and I don't even know how he's going to pay his mortgage, mortgage next week. Right? We begin, greed begins to subtly hide itself. And the dangerous thing about greed is this. All other sins, like lying and stealing and cheating and all these things, are often fleshed out in community. They're exposed when you get around other believers and you begin to become known. Maybe you attend a life group or a men's group or whatever. Those sins begin to rise to the top and other people begin to notice them. But greed can hide in community. Why? It hides itself because of this, you constantly let yourself off the hook because you're surrounded by other people that are doing the same exact thing that you are. 
Other people that are trying to climb the quote-unquote ladder of success and other people that are constantly buying new and nice stuff. And so you say, well, you know what, I just bought this and it was probably unwise and I just did this and it probably wasn't the right decision, but they just did this. So greed can hide itself in community. Now, I know that there's the flip side of this, right? There's always the other side of the coin. So maybe you're not the one that, that spends and buys stuff that you don't need, but maybe you're the one that says, hey, you know what? I, I don't spend uh, carelessly. I, I'm wise with my money. I save my money. I do those things, and I'm not buying things that I don't need. And, you know, I'm driving a car that's 25 years old, and I'm still, you know, you're proudly flaunting your flip phone. Like, if you have a flip phone, dude, we've come way beyond T9 texting. <laughs> Y'all remember that? Like where you know, it's like one, two, three, four. I hated that. Hated it. And so you're like gladly flaunting your flip phone. And listen, you're purchasing the same thing that those other people that are spending their money, money carelessly. You may convince yourself that you're not being greedy, but the truth is you're greedy for comfort. You're greedy for it to have more and more, and your security is found in your bank account. And your security is found in how much money you have put away. Greed is so dangerous because it hides. It's so cancerous, yet it shows itself benign all the time. So what I want to do for the next 10 minutes is I want to give you a little test. Like, so how do we find something, and how do we deal with something in our heart that is so hard to find. How can we detect something that hides so well? Simple. We detect it by looking at our giving. We, we detect it by looking at our generosity. Because listen, greed can hide in your saving, greed can hide in your spending, but it cannot hide in your giving. It cannot, like if you are giving and sacrificing and, and, and praying and, and going before God and saying, God, how would you have me spend this money? Greed can't hide there. Greed can't hide there. Giving is the light that exposes the darkness of greed in our hearts. Generosity is the anti-greed. It's the kryptonite to greed. When you're asking if you're greedy, you have to use the litmus test. Ask yourself, how is your giving? Am I generous? Am I generous? In the Old Testament, um, the test of giving was tithe, right? So tithing was a command God gave his people to give a tenth of everything God had given them back to them. But when you think about this, it kind of seems like an ineffective system, right? Why would God give them everything and then say, hey, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you everything, and then I want you to give me back 10%. Why would he do that? It, it seems like an ineffective system. The truth is, he gave them 100% of everything, and he wanted them to give back a small fraction because he wanted it to be a reminder that he gave them everything. So he gave them an opportunity to play into the whole story. That giving was a constant reminder. The reason they gave 10% in the Old Testament was it was a constant reminder that I'm giving back because God has given me absolutely everything. It was a constant reminder to be a generous people. It was a constant reminder that the reason that I give is because everything that I'm giving back to God already is not mine in the first place. When we tithe, we're saying that we know it all came from God. Acts 17, 24-25 says this, 
the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So here's the question from this verse. Do you believe everything you have is from God? Do you believe that everything you have is from God, like your health, your job, your savings account, your bank account, your kids, everything you have, do you believe that it's all given to you graciously by Jesus? Truth is, you can't ask yourself this question and expect an honest answer. Because greed hides itself. Greed is so deceitful and it hides so well that you have to use the litmus test. You have to go back and looking at your generosity and saying, am I giving? Am I giving? And, and here's the truth. And I said this, um, I'm going to pause there because we're going to get that into a moment. I don't want to let the, the bad guy out of the hat too early. But here's the thing. Tithing is a belief that everything you have was given to you by God and your response is to give back. Your response is to give back over and over. This is how I've understood it. The reason that my wife and I give generously to this church and to other endeavors is because we understand and we believe and we trust that everything that we have was given to us graciously and generously by Jesus. And it's why we're compelled to give. It's why we're compelled to be generous, because the more and more that we're generous, the more and more joy that we receive, and the more and more that we get to play a part of God's grand story. In the Old Testament in Malachi 3, 8 through 10, it says this, Will man rob God? It says, Yet you are robbing me, but you say, How have we robbed you? And Jesus says, In your tithes and contribution you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me that the whole, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there, there may be food in the house and thereby put me to the test, said the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heavens for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. See, when we don't bring our full tithe to God, we're robbing and we're not giving back what already belongs to him. And ultimately, we do not believe that everything we have is from God. We believe it's of our own doing, of our own giftings and our own talents. Yet, even in that, realizing that even my giftings and my talents, that those are a gift from God. Some of us are skilled and have the ability to make money, and there's nothing wrong with that. And here's what I, I don't want you to, to, to hear me say. That money is a bad thing to make. And buying things is a bad thing to do. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, out of this series, my hope and my prayer is that we would go back to our homes... We would sit down with our wives and our husbands and say, hey, is God calling us to be generous? Is God calling us to change pieces of our lifestyle so that we can make a kingdom difference here on this earth? It, it, it's not about, um, some, some people are going to be called to different things. Some people are going to sell everything and just give everything. And listen, you don't need to feel guilty if one person does that and God doesn't call you to do that. There's no difference there. As long as you're being obedient to what God's called you to do, that's the ticket. That's the ticket. Be obedient to what you feel like God is calling you to do. And here's the thing. God is honestly asking us to put him to the test. 
He's not a stingy God who's trying to, to take things from us. He's a father who wants to give. If you have children, you understand this concept, right? That as parents, when I look at my kids, I want them to have everything. You want to be so generous. But when I see my little girl and she has this obsession with high heels, like, and she's really good at walking in them, like, really good. Like, she puts on her mom's, and she's, like, running around the house. The boys are playing, like, Power Rangers, and she's in heels, like, running around. With, like, she's really good at it. She has this obsession with heels. And in the move and all the process, they got all packed up. And, like, in that whole time period, it's like, okay, I just want to go out and just buy her some shoes. And it's only simply because I love her, Right? But when you're a parent, you want to give absolutely everything that you have for your kids. I've seen that in my own parents and, and me and my brothers and our stupid youthful ways, right? Just going out and blowing it and them coming in and dusting us off and picking us back up and giving us things that we needed and clothing us, literally. Just generous because they love us so much. As a parent, you don't want to hold, you don't want to withhold anything from your children. But here's the flip side of it. When you see your children being stingy, what do you do? So, oh, take that toy from you, right? Like when they're not sharing, when they're fighting, when they're doing things, and they're being selfish, and all you've done is try to be generous to your kids, what do you do? You want to take it away, right? But however, if you see your kids sharing and being generous and being kind with one another and sharing the toys, what do you want to do? You want to go out and you want to buy them more toys, you want to bless them. You want to be generous to them. Ultimately, this is what the Father wants to do to us. He wants to be generous to us. He wants to give to us. He wants us to be in step and in line with his heart. He's not trying to take things away from you. He's trying to give and he's trying to bless you. And some of us are so hung up on the fact that what you have is yours and you have such a tight grip on it can't be generous. So, so let's chat about the new standard of giving, because some will argue that um, tithing is an Old Testament standard, right? The 10% is what the Old Testament requires us to do, and now today we live in the New Testament, the Old Covenant, and we don't live in an Old Covenant lifestyle, we live in the New Covenant, so I don't have to tithe. And the truth is, you're absolutely right. Truth is, you're absolutely right. We don't live under that anymore. The principle of Malachi 3, 8 through 10 is to obey God, give, and then you will be blessed. But this is not the principle of the New Testament. Ephesians 1, 3 says this. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who he has blessed in us, in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we received our blessing in Christ because God freely gave in his place. When God gave us his son, he did not withhold anything. He gave everything, pouring out every spiritual blessing. So, here's the deal. The fact that God withheld absolutely nothing, not even his own son, should destroy our greed and impact our giving. The fact that God, the God of the universe, withheld absolutely nothing from us should destroy our grasp on what we think is ours. See, if our giving 
is not a reflection of who Jesus is, then we're saying what Jesus did in the New Testament is of no significance. That what he did on the cross, no significance. That by shedding his blood, no significance whatsoever. We're saying that Jesus did not tithe on the cross, that Jesus did not give on the cross. Instead, many of us would like to argue that tithing is an Old Testament command, but ultimately do this because we have a greedy heart and we don't want to give. We have a greedy heart and we don't want to give. So here's the deal. Tithing is an Old Testament command. So the truth is, according to the New Testament, we should give more. According to the New Testament, we should lay down everything that we have and give everything. That we should be generous with everything that we come across. That we should be a people that are so generous that when people see us by our giving and by our generosity, we reflect Jesus. The, revelations, the revelation of God's generosity in giving everything should make us be a more generous people. And here's the truth. This is what we have to understand about generosity. Giving is how we show the world that God, that what God has done in the New Testament. And here's the truth. Choosing not to give is choosing to tell the world that God gave you very little. The reason we give back, the only reason we give, is because God gave absolutely everything. The only reason that some of you sit in these seats today is because God sacrificed his one and only son for you, for you to be here. In the Old Testament, God's people gave a tithe, they gave a tenth, it was the standard. But today, the average American church member only gives 2.58% of their income to any endeavor. 25, they did a poll, 25% of American Christians are actually generous. They actually give on a weekly or monthly basis. Imagine what the church could look like if that number didn't change. All the good in the world that the church has done and operated has been off of 25% of people that give. 25% of people that are generous. And the truth is, what kind of gospel are we pointing to in telling the world when we give like this? The truth is, church, we have to preach a better gospel. We have to be a generous people. So here's the question that some of us ask. So how much should we keep? How much should we keep? Or how much do I have to give? And ultimately, this is still the wrong question. The gospel should change this question for us. You see, the heart of greed asks, how much do I have to give? But the heart of generosity says, how much do I get to give? How much do I get to give? It's you being obedient to what Jesus is putting on your heart. God blesses us so that we may be a blessing. Everybody knows this, and I'm going to say this, and I, I talked to him and, and let him know that I was going to do this, but Mike Francis, who comes to this church, everybody knows he's a very well-off businessman. He is the most down-to-earth. The first time I met him, you would never know this guy made a lot of money. He was in shorts that were way too short, <laughs> some flip-flops, and some holy t-shirt. Shook his hand, and the first time I ever met him, he was blowing crawfish. And you would never know what this guy's done. One of the most down-to-earth, generous people I've met in my life. And, and this guy has had opportunities and probably made more money than all of us combined in this room. He's a generous man. Loves this church. 
the, the reason that um, a lot of us sit here today is because of his generosity. He's just, he understands. And, and here's the thing, does he have nice stuff? Of course he does. There's nothing wrong with that. But he's being obedient to what God has given him. And he's being a good steward of what God has given him. And I know a lot of us are not on that scale and may never be on that scale. It's the fact that he's being obedient and he's being a good steward of what God has given him. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. Jesus gave his everything to the bride, the church. We tithe bringing our first fruits to the church because God gave his first fruits, his son. We give to orphan care because we were once orphans and God rescued us. In all these ways of giving, we're pointing to Jesus and the realities of the gospel. I don't know if you know this, but this is a true statistic. On Sundays... The Sunday lunch crowd, people actually, waiters actually hate waiting on the Sunday lunch crowd. Christians are the worst tippers. The worst. I went out to eat, this is about a few years ago with my dad, and we had a huge church crowd. The thing I love about my dad, he's always been a generous person, and so every time we go out to eat, we leave a large tip. And they had a, a group of people that were at a church, and my dad, he went up to the waiter afterwards, and he said, man, you must have got hooked up with a good tip. And she's, nope. she said, nope, I got zero. Zero. The truth is, as Christians, we should be the most generous people wherever we go. And I want you to understand, what I'm talking about is not just church. This is a lifestyle that we choose to live, that we live a lifestyle of generosity. Man, that when we're at a restaurant, if we can, we give. Because all that does is it communicates to people that we actually believe what we're learning. We, we actually believe in this Jesus. We, we back it up. My wife and I were at a Waffle House um, yesterday and uh, with our, our family. And we're sitting there and our bill is probably about like, you know, 20 bucks or something. And... Uh, just with our family walking into any restaurant and the mess that we leave under the table with four kids, we, we should give a good tip. Um, just because we leave it a disaster. There's crumbs everywhere. Um, but in light of this series, and I was talking about this, and I'm like, man, I want to, my wife and I want to be more generous in, in the way that we live. And so I'm sitting there, and my wife looks at me, she's like, you better leave this lady a good tip. She did a really good job. They're really busy. And so the bill is probably $20, and long story short, uh, uh, right on the receipt, I said this tip in some small way shows how much Jesus loves you and wants to know you, and I left her a $45 tip for a $20 thing. Now listen, not everybody can do that. If, 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 you're not, if you can't do that, then don't do it. If you don't have the finances and you're not doing that, don't, don't be wise with what you have. Be a good steward. And you know, the crazy thing is I leave it, I walk out. And I'm getting in the van, and because I have the smallest bladder on the face of the earth, like I load up all the kids, I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom again. So I walk back in to Waffle House, and I go to the bathroom, and I come back out, and I see this lady back in uh, with a bunch of her workers, and she's just crying. And she has the receipt, and like she's shown it to all of the waiters, everybody there. Listen, one act of generosity could solidify that you actually believe what you believe. As Christians, we should be the most generous, free-giving people in the world. The gospel demands that we change our lifestyle to be generous people. There's nothing, there's nothing worse 
than people that say one thing and act the other way, right? That say, oh, I love Jesus, I believe in Jesus, but we don't believe in Jesus with our finances. If we were to look at our finances, it's all about us. What we want, what we desire. The truth is, God is calling us to a new standard of giving. A new standard. That we would begin to live a life that is generous. That we begin to live a life of generosity. So here's the truth. You are exempt from giving if God gave you nothing. You're exempt from giving if God gave you nothing. And the truth is, when you begin to evaluate your life, and you begin to look at your health, and your family, and your life, and your house, and your job, and your kid, there is nothing that you can escape from. The fact that God has been so generous to you. And listen, maybe life has literally just beat the mess out of you. And so you're hearing this and you're saying, there's, God, there's no way that God's been generous to me. There's no way. The very fact that you sit in this room today and you're breathing air is an act of God's generosity. And here's what I want you to know. The joy that you so long to have and that you so desire to have can be found in Jesus. So, so wherever you're at this morning, whatever you lack can be found in Jesus. Here's the truth. You'll begin to discover a God who has radically given more than you could ever give. And that should motivate our giving. In the Old Testament, the tithe was the standard, but in the New Testament, Jesus changed something. You know what the standard is now? The cross. The cross is the new standard. Giving to the point where it actually comes to a place where we'll do without to be generous. Giving to the point that it hurts. Giving to the point where we're actually sacrificing something. That's the cross. You see, Jesus displayed an act of generosity by laying down his life for you and I. Bridging the gap. Making a way for us to spend eternity with the Father. That's generosity. It was agonizing. It was painful. There was even a moment when he's kneeling down in the garden. And he says, God, if this can pass me by, let's do it. If I don't have to do this, yet he still chose to because he wanted to bridge the gap. Because he loves us so much. So I hope you hear my heart in this. I hope you hear the heart of God in this. Listen, it's not about coaxing you into anything. This is calling you to a lifestyle that reflects the heart of Jesus. This is calling you to a lifestyle that reflects the heart of Jesus. This is calling you to back up what you actually believe. you to back up what you actually believe. Listen, deviating from this a tad bit. My own personal story and my wife and I starting this church has been the most freeing, uh, fulfilling thing we've ever done and at the same time it's been the most difficult, discouraging thing we've ever done. 
And, and I say it like this, because when you leave a place, um, if you, my wife has lived in Jennings forever, and uh, actually on Friday we actually finally closed on our house, so we no longer turn down 607 Harrington Street to go to our house anymore. It's not our house. Um, so that's exciting, but at the same time, you know, we brought our kids there. We, our kids grew up there. Leaving everything and coming here and just trusting that God's going to do something here in Crowley. And I know that he's going to. But listen, if we as a people can understand, one, I want you to know that my wife and I, that we believe in this church. We, we believe that God is going to do incredible things here. But in order for it to happen, it takes sacrifice, it takes generosity, it takes stepping out of the comfort zone. It takes going and going, God, is anybody going to get this? Is anybody going to show up? Is anybody going to be a part? Is anybody going to buy in? And man, to see six months go by and people come to Jesus and people get saved. And July 5th, we're going to be baptizing. It's just, it's exciting. But, but here's the deal. And I'm going to explain some things in a minute. We can be more than just a church in this city. We can be a church that is for this city. A church that makes a difference in this city. Came to a dance recital yesterday. This place is packed out. There's just people everywhere sitting all over the place. And it clicked something in my mind. It's like, okay, one, God's faithful going to see this happen, too, at the same time, with what we have now, we have to have people be more than just people that sit in these seats. Listen, I'm calling you to buy into a vision of reaching people and building lives. It's not just this church's vision, it's the heart of Jesus. Man, if there's people out there that don't know Jesus, there's people that are out there and they're dying and going to hell. There's people in your workplace. There's people in your neighborhood that do not know Jesus. And the simplest thing that you could do to bridge that gap is be generous. Like, it's knocking on a door and bringing you... I mean, somebody... My wife is so good at this. Knocking on the door. Hey, I don't know you, but I just made you cookies. Like, anybody, like, just you're like, just great people, people? Like, my wife is that. Like, she'll just knock on... I'm not that at all. <laughs> knock on the door, made your cookies, knock on the door, hey, heard you were sick, and I made a meal for you, like, but you don't realize that those things change people. When we're, when we decide to be generous, it changes things, because people not only buy into Jesus, they buy into you, and they believe that what you're actually saying is real, and that you're not just going, hey, let me come to, hey, come to this church. People get invited to go to churches all the time. People want to see your life and what you believe, and they want to know that you actually believe what you believe. And the truth is, you've got to model that for them. We've got, as Christians, we've got to set the standard. The standard is the cross. The standard is Jesus giving everything. And so we begin to model that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for